Hello, Corky Crime Sisters here. Hello. So our show contains graphic content, so please, listeners, be advised. Let's do it. Do it. Do it. Do, do it. it. Why here? Hola. How are Hello. you? It's me. <laughs> I'm in one. Hello. It's the Corky Crime Sisters. I muted myself. That was fun. <laughs> are you good? No, it didn't work. That's fine. We are here. Hi, Hi guys. guys. Welcome to the Corky Cave. Yes. Ooh. Ooh, you are listening to the Corky Crime Sisters, y'all. Ooh, ooh. We are the podcast where two sisters actually like to hang out with each other. Getting in the groove of things. This is my self-care. Yeah. Uh, we like to talk about some crazy shit, though. Maybe on the side of a road. <laughs> <laughs> we like to have an adult beverage or two. Or three or always a white claw to pregame and wine after. Yes, while doing it. Ooh, ooh. ooh, ooh. That clothes-stealing bitch over there is Taylor. <laughs> you are right. And that too small clothes bitch over there is Nikki. <laughs> I stole her sweater. I got here way before her. And I was, like, way over my work sweater because it was just too professional. And I stole her sweater. But it's, like, super tight in the arms. And she got home and she was like, is that my sweater? I'm like, that's my sweater. <laughs> welcome, to, welcome to being, to having a sister. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah, I'm resisting the urge right now. I have dry ramen in front of me and I want to eat it, but I can't imagine that would give you very pleasant ASMR across the, no, probably <laughs> the not. headphones. No, probably not. Um, cool. So what are we talking about today, Bean? Woo! We are talking about uh, roadside killers. And there's a very specific reason we're talking about roadside <laughs> killers. So I really need you to get into this. Okay, you guys. Ugh, my life. I can't make this shit up. So over the weekend, I was in Iowa for my cousin's wedding. We had a fantastic time. It was great. It was so much fun. So from Iowa, my other cousin and my husband and I, we were supposed to then fly from Iowa to Dallas to go attend the Dallas Broncos football game this weekend, which the Broncos killed it. So that just kind of makes it even more sad for me. But whatever. So, of course, this has to be the weekend where all of the airlines and everybody is just, like, acting fucking fools. <laughs> okay? So, our flight from Iowa to Dallas got canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in an effort to try to save the tickets, because they were very fucking expensive. Very. To the game, not the flights. We decide, screw it, we are going to road trip. We're just going to do it. We look it up. And we find out that it's only about a 12-hour drive. So we're like, okay, we can easily do this. There was technically three of us, but my younger cousin decided she was just going to road trip along with us and hang out in Dallas while we were at the game, and she would be a fourth driver. Cool. So nice of her. Awesome. So when I say that we are in Iowa, I mean we are in the southeastern point of Iowa, and there's really nothing there. And so we get about... 
oh, I don't know, hour and a half, two, ha- two hours away from Muscatine. And we are literally in the middle <laughs> of absolute nowhere, Missouri. Okay, guys, nowhere. And I'm pretty much asleep. And all of a sudden, my husband goes, oh, we just smoked a coyote. <laughs> <laughs> I was, And I hear a thud. And I wake up to this thud, right? And I'm like, what just happened? And he's like, he's in shock, right? He's like, oh my God, I feel so bad. I think I, we just, we hit a coyote. And, you know, he's feeling all kinds of bad. And I'm like, well, I guess we just keep going, right? That's what, you know, my thought. <clears throat> so we get maybe another four or five miles away from where we were. And the car just starts malfunctioning left and right. <laughs> Shit's not working. Like, it's overheating. We're just, we're done. <sighs> so we have to pull over to the side of the road. And you guys, when I say we hit a coyote, I do not mean that we ran the coyote fucking over. No, the coyote intact was still in the car's grill. <laughs> <laughs> I the normal reaction would be to laugh I feel kind of bad for the coyote but you know at this point I'm just like are you fucking kidding me how does this happen so good so we have I call the rental place because it's a rental car also right and who who gets rental <laughs> insurance right of course we did not um and they're like okay yeah we're gonna send somebody out to tow you no big deal um but the closest hurts to you oh sorry Shouldn't have said who it was. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Anyway, the closest place to you is still two hours away. And the You're tow truck like, driver is not going to have enough room for all four of you and your luggage. Cool. What am I supposed to do? So, Thanks. yeah, we're kind of like, wait, what? So she's like, oh, don't worry. We're going to get you an Uber or a Lyft. And I'm like, okay, great. Cool. Give me an Uber or Lyft. Let's get this shit a going. We'll get in a new vehicle. We'll get going. Yeah, except for because we're in the middle of literally nowhere, they do not have an Uber, they do not have a Lyft, they don't have any of that shit, right? So we end up having to call the police. The police show up, thankfully, and (laughs) you guys, these two cops. (laughs) They're my favorite part of the whole thing. (laughs) So again, middle of nowhere, uh, these two cops literally walk to the front of the car, they see the coyote in the car, and one of them grabs its paw and yanks it out of the grill. (laughs) And then they're standing there talking to each other about how beautiful it is and which one of them is going to get to take it home (laughs) (laughs) and taxidermy it. So at this point, I'm like, seriously, where are we? One of the cops then tells me that, like, it's a good thing we called them because that area is known for meth (laughs) and us being on the side of the road would not be safe. And he proceeds to tell me that we're literally... In an area where that movie, the wrong turn bullshit, he was like, yeah, that's pretty much this area. (laughs) And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, oh, Jesus. I'm like, okay, so do we quickly get into the cop car and speed away before somebody kills us? Or is this motherfucker going to kill us? Like, I'm so concerned for all of our safety at this point. I'm like, at this point, I wish I was that coyote. You know, like, I don't know what to do. All I can um, think about is Breaking Bad, where, like, they drive the RV to. That's what I'm picturing where mm-hmm. you're at. <laughs> yeah, except for it's not desert like that. It's just all, like, fields, like corn fields. Oh, great, and, great. Yeah. Corn meth. Cool. Yes, yes. So, I mean, in the end, like, I'm on the phone with the lady from the rental place, and she, my cousin and I are just making all kinds of jokes, because what else can you do at this point besides laugh, right? 
you know, my, the lady basically <laughs> was like, so was anybody injured? And I'm like, nope, just the coyote. <laughs> and she's like, okay, how many passengers? And my cousin's like, four, five, if you include the coyote. <laughs> like, I don't know how many people saw us driving oh. with this thing in our grill. <laughs> and the lady was like, I was like, ma'am, she's like, what does the scene look like? And I'm like, well, the coyote's literally still attached to the car. And she was like, oh, yeah. She's like, well, maybe when the tow truck driver comes, um, he'll hook it up and it'll just fall off. Oh, great. Thank you. So helpful. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. Long story short, we end up having to stay in a podunk little hotel in this town um, until somebody from my family could come and get us the next day. And we missed the game. Um, my husband, who was thoroughly upset, uh, basically said that the airlines that canceled our flight owes us a Mazda and a Coyote. <laughs> so now it's just been this ongoing joke. Now he's the roadrunner. Now he's the roadrunner. My cousin <laughs> keeps going, meet me. It's just ridiculous. Oh. So yeah, you can't make this shit up. That's anyway, why we're going to talk about roadside killers today. It is. It is. <laughs> it's just, it's too crazy. I, I don't even know. It was so good. I was, I, we're talking Sunday. My sister texts me and goes, hey, I need to log in for Paramount, which is what we used for all, like, to watch our football. And I was like, aren't you, aren't you there? Shouldn't you be there? And then I check her location. And it's in, like, Iowa. And I'm like, oh, no. She's like, what happened? This didn't go well. I'm like, yeah, no, let me. And it didn't go well, not just because they canceled the flight. Let me tell you about this crazy issue, isn't it? So, anyway, um, what are we drinking today, babe? <laughs> We're drinking Point of Passage, which you did not have a passage to anywhere. I did not have a passage. If I had had a passage, oh my goodness, we would have made it. But anyway. <laughs> this is a 2019 Red Blend. Um, she clocks in at 14.3, which I think is higher than most, actually. Mm, get a girl. Great. Mm-mm. Millennia ago. Oh my gosh, you'll be so happy. Ready? Okay. Restart. Get back into character. Okay. <laughs> uh, rewind. Millennia ago, ancient Greeks migrated to the sunny southern regions of France. France. Bringing winemaking knowledge with them. Today, new migrants sail from distant shores to harvest the same grapes. Point de passage. (laughs) (laughs) De passage. (laughs) Honors migrants, ancient and new, whose magic have been passed down into this bottle. Um, As always, don't drink if you're pregnant. Um, (laughs) You know, consumption of alcohol impairs your ability to drive a car. Shouldn't do that shit. Can cause health problems. All the things (laughs) I don't care about right now. Great. Thanks, Bean. Good job. Let's open this. We need to get like a different wine bottle opener for the show just so I'm not using like an electric one constantly. I thought you liked the electric one. I do. It's just not very. (laughs) Very nice. Did I hit the glass again? It was. No, it didn't sound like it. Why did I smell that instead of the wine? I smelled Very the wine bottle Very wild coyote of you. Oh. oh my gosh. It smells delicious. Did okay. you stick it up your nose hole? Don't worry. Oh, the glugs. I love the glugs. Tell me when, my friend. When. For now. For now. You go first, so I've got nothing but time and time to drink. Okay. That was for you, lovely listeners. Okay. All right. Well, yamas. Right on, right on. 
That's good, too. That's really good, too. Wink Wine Club's reds, man. I'm telling you, I... They that's are... really good. They are delivering. Yeah. Nice. I think I still like Sister Snake, but this is definitely good. Okay. Onwards to our feature segment. I'm going to start first today. Um, apparently, I logged off of my notes because that's what I like to do. Because we are professionals in this situation. <laughs> Oh. What happened? Nothing. Okay, all right. Yeah. I don't have my phone, but I guess I don't need my phone. Do you need it? No. I mean, I can get it for you. No, I was just going to, while you were going to regale us with your tail, I was going to get on to Wink and order more wine. We do <laughs> but, need to do that, too. But I don't have my phone, so I don't know my login. Oh, good. <laughs> good. We do need to order more. Okay. Today, I'm going to talk to you, talk to you, talk to you, talk to you about the roadside strangler, Mr. Michael Bruce Ross. Ugh. Oh, see, do you see that? Do you hear that click? I'm figuring out what it is. I think I like, this is gross, but like I said, there's a hole behind my retainer and I clear the saliva out. Yes. Because I'm, I'm very saliva-y. <laughs> I... <laughs> Sorry. Taylor just said her microphone and then mean mugged it like the microphone was in her way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I want to name these things so I can just be like, come on, Kevin. Get out of my way. All right. Let's talk about her. Her? Her, him. Him? Whatever. So early life, he was born in Putnam, Connecticut, July 26, 1959. Not 69, 59. Um, two parents, Patricia Hilda Lane and Dan Gramey Ross, who ended up marrying when Patricia became pregnant. So mm. I'm not saying like it's a full of love and laughter type situation. Not a reason to get married. But when was this again? I'm sorry. 1959. Oh, well, so, then it was. <laughs> yeah, back then it was, <laughs> okay. right? Hey. What? Never mind. Do you want me to pause? Yeah. Let me pause the episode for you. Hey, ready? <laughs> it's paused. <laughs> So, Michael was the oldest of four children. He had two sisters and one brother. Um, okay. And their dad was a chicken farmer. So, they oh. lived on a farm in Brooklyn with chickens. In uh, Brooklyn? Yeah. Okay. Connecticut. Brooklyn, Connecticut. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I'm thinking Brooklyn, New York. I was I'm like, like, what? What? I think even back then it was still like a city utopia. Or utopia. That's not the... I, I don't know what you're trying to say. I don't know what I'm trying to say either. So Patricia this whole time was unhappy with living on the chicken farm. This was not her idea of a life. No, why would it be? I would live in a chicken farm and be completely happy with children. Really? Oh, absolutely. You kidding me? Maybe give me some goats. I like it a goats. That's fair. <laughs> um, oh my God, Becky. We have a lot of credits. Oh, for Wink Wine Club? Yes, ma'am. Week two of me saying Wink, sponsor us, please. Okay. As you can imagine, as most serial killers do, he has a dysfunctional family. Yeah, go figure. Um, (laughs) Dad was fine for the most part, but Patricia was actually physically abusive to all four children and was the worst to Michael, who was the oldest son. Just because he was the oldest or just... It doesn't actually say why. It just says that she was shitty, basically. Mm, nice. Um, she abandoned the family once and was institutionalized by, like, the time he was oh. old enough to move out. So, so she's got issues. Yeah. And there is speculation by family members that Michael was sexually abused by his teenage uncle. 
It's never been proven, but there is speculation of this. Um, but this is before Michael was six, because when he was six, the uncle committed suicide. Oh, Jesus. So it's good. It's going great. Despite all that, Michael did really well in school. He graduated high school in 1977. He graduated Cornell University for agriculture in May of 1981 and became an insurance salesman. Oh, wow. Which I don't know how, like, agriculture and insurance salesmen go together, but... They don't. He couldn't find a job after he graduated. So he just picked whatever he could do, basically. And Cornell is actually in Ithaca, New York, and it's a really well-known college yeah no it's a big deal yeah it's very prestigious for sure that wine is so good so once once it touches your lips um that's great storytelling but anyway he exhibited exhibited antisocial behaviors from a really young age so he's always had that antisocial tendency um shy withdrawn became known for angry outbursts those types of things okay and his first stalking actually was in his sophomore year of college his first rape was his senior year of college and his first murder started shortly after this oh yeah so between 1981 and 1984 he killed eight girls these women were aged 14 to 25 and it ranged from connecticut to new york and what he was known to do was he was called the roadside strangler because he would rape each of them either before or after they were alive or dead but he would then make them turn onto their belly and he would strangle each of them and usually this was on the roadside hitchhiking um mm. picking them up finding Y'all, them hitchhiking is not around for a reason <laughs> it's not good it's not good so he raped seven out of eight of those women it's unknown why he didn't rape the eighth that seemed really out of his mo but he didn't okay and there was an alleged rape of a 21 year old named vivian dobson but he didn't kill her what was weird about this is that Vivian came forward to say this and the police were like, nah, no way. You're not one of his victims. You're alive. And basically discredited her. What? Never. There was no confession. There was no charges or anything like that. Bullshit. I know. Michael Ross did end up confessing to all eight murders and was convicted of the last four. Oh, I'm God. assuming statute of limitations. It should not be that way when it comes to shit like this. I'm no. sorry, it shouldn't. So I'm going to run through all the victims because I think their vo- their names need to be heard. Yeah, because they're actually what's more important than this piece of shit. Exactly. But uh, I'm whatever. going to butcher this first one. So you're going to be like the the um, priest in Iowa that was like, give me grace before <laughs> they said a name. Seriously, give before me grace. Before they said grace. my name. Oh, is that what it was? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we uh, we were quick antidote. We were at my grandfather's funeral, and he was reading the obituary, and he said, "I'm gonna need grace for some of these names." And he got to mine and my husband's, and he literally said Nicole, and then he skipped over my husband's first name and then butchered our last name. <laughs> but before he did that, he's like, "This is the one I'm gonna need grace for." Yeah, <laughs> I was just like, "Okay, sir." That's how I'm feeling. So, Dzung Nigog, two. Nailed it. Age 25. Nailed 1981. It. Tammy Williams, 17. 1982. Pamela Pereira, 16. 1982. Deborah Smith Taylor, 23. 1982. Robin Dawn Stavinsky, 1983. She was 19. Aww. April April Brunas, 
14, 1984. Leslie Shelley, 14, 1984. And Wendy Barry-Bielt, 1984. So as you can tell, like I said, 81 to 84, that's not a long time to kill eight people. So he didn't really have a cooling off period or anything like that. Yeah. It's unknown to me or I couldn't find it. I'm sure it exists as to how he ended up being caught. But he was. They ended up finding him. And he was actually sentenced to death. Right off the bat, they were like, yeah, screw this. We're not doing this. Sentenced to death in Connecticut. Well, back then that was still a thing. It still was, right? I mean, it still is today, but it's, yeah. it's tough, right? Um, during his incarceration time, he met his fiance Susan Powers. They were all cute. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. During his incarceration? Yes. Incarceration. Did you like how I said that? I'm I, not even drunk. Incarceration. He's incarceration. Um, I will never understand that. Women, know your fucking worth. Oh, Ted Bundy's Jesus. lady friend is my favorite example Ugh. of, like, Why? Yeah. Oh, the or one why. that he ended up like having a kid with, and yeah, no, yeah not because no. he wanted to, but because it's fine. I'm fine. It's fine. We don't have to get into it. But you and I both know. Yeah, we know. We know. Yeah. Um, they ended up breaking up in 2003, but they remained friends. So Susan came to see him until the end. After being incarcerated, he became a devout Catholic. <laughs> hmm. Okay. I. So what? You're just gonna sit there and continuously feel guilt over what you did, or no? I will be so transparent in saying that I don't very much so myself believe in organized religion. And a lot of this has to do with, like, I just can't understand it. And this is one of those things I don't understand. I'm like, you killed people. Yes. But you think. I, I mean, I, I think know. maybe. Well, OK, let's look at it from the side of, like, what you do. Like, it's the whole rehabilitation thing, right? right. So maybe, like, he felt, he, maybe he felt like by doing that, he was rehabilitating himself and he was finding God and, like. I sure hope so. Maybe. I don't know. During this time, he was meeting with two different priests, and he was praying the rosary every morning. Sure. Good, sir. (laughs) His incarcerated activities included translating documents to Braille. Oh. Mentoring other inmates. Uh Uh-huh. And financially sponsoring a child from the Dominican Republic. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) I don't know why, how, when, or where. What? And where he got the money from is the second question I have. <laughs> Seriously, like, did they yeah. come from your commissary or what? His I commissary. <laughs> I supported him by sending him ramen noodles. Um, hey, don't hate on the ramen noodles. That's what you were eating earlier. No, dude, but, like, <laughs> like they will straight up fight over some nudes. Well, noodles. <laughs> Do they? <laughs> I'm like, well, probably both. Send nudes. Send nudes. Oh, I meant noodles. Not <laughs> that noodle. Somebody don't... really wants like nude nudie pics and somebody sends some ramen. <laughs> That's the wrong noodle. Wrong nudes, yo. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Michael was not a believer in the death penalty, but he supported his own execution, which is very interesting, even though he appealed it for 17 years. Okay. He felt as though him dying would spare his victim's families more pain because he felt that them going through the legal system would continue to oh now he's worried about it right right what the f- he um, thinks that now he's a catholic remember oh right now we, okay yeah mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. we understand the repercussions mm-hmm. so with, that's what i'm saying where that's really confusing to me where he was like appealing it however he also was like yeah it's probably good that i die cool i'm not understanding okay 
does not compute. It doesn't make sense, but okay. He believed that he had been forgiven by God and that he was going to a better place. Hmm. Um, and Kathy Yeager, who um, is somebody from a university, I'd have to look up her credentialing because I didn't write it down here because, you know, why would I? <laughs> she was quoted as saying, he's not being punished. He's moving on to the eternal life. That is what is ironic about the death penalty. He's looking forward to the peace. Huh. Which is a very interesting way to look at things in that light, if you will. Sure. Um, so here we are. He's stating he does not want these people to suffer anymore. And... <laughs> He was scheduled to be executed in the uh, late 2004. Okay. However, an hour before his execution, his lawyer, who was acting on behalf of his father, put a two-day stay on his execution. Wait, can you even do that? You can. You sure can. What? I'm sorry. It was not 2004. It was January 27, 2005 was where the two-day stay was put into place. Yeah. How? How? Excuse me. How? So what happened on 2000, so January 29th, so two days later, is there were questions of whether he was mentally competent to be killed. Oh, okay. Well, now we can throw that in there. Sure. Totally different, right? But that's actually not what the argument was then. It was that day. Um, Can I just tell you that I just put 12. 12. 12. Do you know what 12 is, Taylor? What? But the number 12 translates to? No dozen (laughs) (laughs) well that's just fucking rude i think we've told this story enough times dz means a dozen people do not be squandered in your intelligence as i was just rudely insulted i'm drinking wine now anyway i because i had credits i put a dozen bottles of wine in my cart and i'm only paying 41 dollars shut up i love that if I take it back down, I have credit. I had, I had like 140 in credits. No, do that. That's perfect. Um, Sorry, I just thought everybody would be excited like I was. No, I'm super excited about that. It's been really fun to have Wink Wine Club and be able to like get different wines and try different things each week. Fudge. Yes, it is. Yeah. So as I was saying, they didn't think Sorry. he was mentally competent. And the reasoning behind this was the morning of his appeal. Yes. Not his appeal. I'm so sorry. The morning of his execution, he waived his right to appeal. But oh. everyone was like, you've been fighting this for 17 years. And now all of a sudden you're like, cool, I'm done. I'm Whatever. done. What they claimed he was suffering from is a phenomenon called death row syndrome. So I'm going to verbatim read this from Wikipedia. I'm citing my sources. <laughs> The death row phenomena is the emotional distress felt by prisoners on death row. Concerns about the ethics of inflicting this distress upon prisoners have led to some legal concerns about the constitutionality of the death penalty in the United States and other countries. In relation to the use of solitary confinement with death row inmates, death row phenomena and death row syndrome are two concepts that are gaining ground. The death row syndrome is a distinct concept, which is the enduring psychological effects of the death row phenomena, which mainly refers to the triggers of the syndrome. Essentially, <laughs> they are saying that <laughs> Help me. he was on death row for so long. And the idea of, I'm going to be put to death, I'm going to be put to death, I'm going to be put to death. And in the solitary confinement that often comes with that, because it's Oof, a max right, right, security right, patient, right. can be super um, damaging to the mental health, right? Yes. yes. Especially because death row people end up staying there for how freaking long, right? Yes. So 
Which, okay, let me just be the first to say, I do understand to a certain extent why you prolong those things. Right. Because of people who are actually innocent and all of, and appeals and all of that. I get it. Right. But for people that are like straight up either confessed or like, you know, that there's undeniable evidence. Yep. I feel like, like, just get rid of them quickly. Exactly. Like, why are we waiting? Get rid of it. Be done. Yeah. Check that right off your well, list of things to do today. <laughs> if there's undeniable evidence, yeah, I agree. Just be done with it, right? Uh, kill Ross today. Check. Done. done. Did that today. Okay. What is so <laughs> weird is that the in January 25th, 2005, when they went to kill him, he was scheduled to be executed at 2.01 a.m. Why? Yeah, what, what makes them decide on the actual time? No uh, idea. Isn't that weird? And to do a one. Well, wait, wait until this. Okay. So they end up doing all the psychological testing. He's fit to be executed. Um, and he was executed by lethal injection May 13th, 2005. Wait, say that one more time. He was executed by lethal injection okay. May 13th, 2005. Um, he did not request a special last meal that's exciting or anything. <laughs> he just wanted to eat what everyone else was eating, like the commoners. Oh, um, no. <laughs> if it's my last meal, give me, like, oh, God, give me the good shit. You can have anything. Yeah. I want, I want Elway's um, <laughs> artichoke. Or, no, excuse me. Um, uh, no, it is an artichoke. It's an artichoke. Yeah. Elway's artichoke, Kenny's gorgonzola bite. Yes, girl. With the veggie plates. You know me. Um, <laughs> uh, Kona's uh, angry at a mommy. Oh, <laughs> multiple ar- orgasm roll from Hoppa, and then we're gonna do yeah. um, our beef from Tao and our yes. tempura avocado. Oh my gosh, I'm so hungry all of a sudden. <laughs> okay, we're we're doing it all. I know the whole true bang. <laughs> I'm gonna literally ask for all of that, please. <laughs> what Mr. Ross had was turkey a la king. Rice, mixed vegetables, white bread, and a beverage. And a beverage, okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not to mention, I'm going to ask for um, Vuv yeah. or Dom Perignon as my last drink. <laughs> You're going to be like the bougiest prisoner ever. <laughs> oh, I would totally. That's why I'm not going to prison. I would be oh. too. I'm too bougie for You prison. are too bougie. For- <laughs> it's true. When you're like, oh, I have to talk through the toilets. No, thank you. Yeah. I'm like, excuse me. Um, We talk through the toilet. What? Well, there's no texting here. Um, I'm going to need my phone. <laughs> I'm not putting my ear near where I shit. <laughs> I think I'd do better in jail than you would. You would so do better in jail. <laughs> if anybody's going between the two of us, it's you. If girl. anyone's a felon between the two of us, it's me. Okay. <laughs> well, that's like my cousin. She's always like, don't worry. If something needs to go down, I'll do it. I already have the bad record. Yes. <laughs> she's always like, I'll take the rap for it. I'm she's like, like, I'll take the rap. I've got the record. She's like, the MVP, honestly. <laughs> She really is. And she actually would probably not thrive necessarily in prison because, like, who thrives? But she would. She would be top ho. Oh, Let's be honest she would. here. Yeah, nobody's making her their bitch. <laughs> not even a little bit. <laughs> She'd be organizing the ladies. Let's oh, yes, she here. would. Oh, my gosh. And they'd love her for it, too. Oh, 100%. <laughs> so <laughs> this cracks me up. When asked if he wanted to say any last words, he was laying on the, the table, strapped down. His eyes were closed, and he doesn't even open them, and he just goes, hmm, no, thank you. <laughs> no, no, thank, no, thank you. you. It's like know. the little girl. No, no, thank no, you. Thank- I just, he doesn't even you open You just it. kill me! 
<laughs> he doesn't even open his eyes. He just, oh my God. No, thank you. No, no, thank you. So once again, he's pronounced. Worry about yourself. Worry about yourself. I'm good over here. Just inject me. Give me good shit. <laughs> okay. Deuterino was pronounced dead at 2.25 a.m. 2.25. I don't understand why that's what's happening. That's so weird because they, they did it at 2.01, but yet he actually quote unquote died on like a normal number. I just don't understand. I don't know what a normal number means when you're talking about a clock. Um, anyway. Yeah. I'm so, keep drinking. after his execution, he was executed May 13th. Um, a couple days later after his execution, the psychiatrist that ended up being like, oh, you are eligible to die. Dr. Stu- psychiatrist. After he died? Well, wait, wait, sorry. The psychiatrist <laughs> that before he died was said, hey, you're eligible oh, to die, basically. Okay, I'm like, that's some bullshit if it no. was after. <laughs> a couple days after, though, Dr. Stewart Gracian received a letter from Michael dated May 10th, 2005, so three days before he was executed, that read, check in, mate, you never had a chance. (gasps) (laughs) So he was fucking with all of them the whole time. (laughs) O-M-G. Yes, that's interesting. That's interesting. So he died. He gone. He gone. Remember Vivian Dobson, the chick that said, hey, I got raped, but she didn't die? Yes. She became a vocal opponent of the death penalty in an effort to save Michael's life. Why? Yeah. <sighs> okay, that, you know what? Let me take, let me, let me step that back. Not why. That takes a strong ass person right there to yeah. have somebody do something like that to them and then still advocate for that person afterwards as in like, you know, she's let that shit go. She's, totally. I want to be that person. Not saying I want to get injured like that, but I want to be the person that can let shit go that way. Because damn, yeah, I I can't understand what that feels like. But no, yeah, no. that that was wild to me. Michael was the first execution in Connecticut in two thousand five um, since nineteen sixty. Oh wow, um, the twenty second execution in the United States. And the 966 execution in the United States since 1976. Wow. Yeah. And, and they're saying nowadays that he is all suspected of other rapes and murders in the state of Indiana that have never been pinned down onto him. Damn. And that's the roadside strangler. Dirty ass bitch. Dude, it's wild. I... He's, like, wild, but also extraordinarily mundane at the same time to me. And I don't know if I just, like, missed things or what, but I was like, this is it? You're like, really? This is what we're working with? This is what I got going on? I was like, I mean, all right, but you seem... (sighs) Normal. Yeah. In a sense. Kind of. Oh, my goodness. Well, good job, Bean. Thanks. Good job, lady. Uh, Should we hear a quick word from our sponsors and uh, definitely drink some more before we get to my case? Yeah, I've I've heard I need it. Yes. So let's do it. Okay. Hi, guys. Taylor from the Corky Crime Sisters here. Coming to let you know that we have a Patreon. So... If you want to support us more and you want more content, there's two episodes out now. If we get some more peeps, we're going to load up a ton of good stuff on there. So go to patreon.com. You can donate one, five, or ten dollars a month. Whatever you can help us out with right now would be so helpful so we can keep bringing this to you every single week. Someone's got to pay for that wine, though. So if you want to support us, please go over to patreon.com slash Sisters. C-O-R-K-Y Crime Sisters. 
We'd love to see you there, and we'll give you a shout-out on the show, and we'll probably pick you first if you have recommendations for our cases. So we hope to see you over there. Thank you. We love you all. So, are we ready for my case? Yeah, we are. Actually, we're not because we. You, can you hook us up some more of that delicious, delicious wine? We're going to need it for this one. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I've heard this shit is dork. He's, he's dork. He's dork or dork? Dark. You know what? Why don't I just get Yeah, just this? finish that shit off. Just why finish it I off. Why, why are we this? waiting? Why are we waiting? <laughs> Okay, guys. <clears throat> oh yeah, Excuse clear me. the throat. Get Let me ready. clear my throat now. Okay. So I am going to tell you today about William George Bonin. Bonnet. Bonin. Bonin, not Bonin. He's not Susie Bonnet. Not Bonnet. Oh, okay. Um, he is also known as the Freeway Killer. The Freeway Killer. Um, this dude is a serial killer. Okay. Ready for him. American serial killer. This bitch got t- paroled twice after being a sex offender. Okay. Uh, what? Yep. And he co- he committed the rape and torture and murder of a minimum of 21 boys and young men in Southern California between 1979 and 1980. What? He's also suspected of... Oh. Potentially killing a further 15 boys. No. I yeah. hate this all. Yeah. So let's get into it. I don't want to get into it. <laughs> I'm telling you. So this bitch was born in Connecticut on January 8th, 1947. He was the second of three sons born to Robert and Alice Bonin. Bonin. Uh, as... Per the huge, right, as what you had talked about earlier with your gentleman, uh, Bonin's parents were alcoholics, and his father was a compulsive gambler. Good. His favorite thing was bingo. No, bingo is the best. (laughs) That's not a joke. And bingo was his name. Mm. Uh, Mm. (laughs) Get it, girl. (laughs) That was for you. He was a compulsive gambler who was okay. physically abusive towards his wife and children. Again, why? No surprise. Get out of here. Uh, Bonin and his brothers both. So he went by Bill, so I'm just going to do Bill. Yeah, use Bill. Bill. Yeah. Bill Bonin. Bill. Bilbo Baggins. Bilbo Baggins. Uh, Bill and his brothers were severely n- neglected as children. Um, his parents were just more involved with their drinking and their bingoing. So, um, I feel that way without children, but sure. Yeah, right, exactly. But they had children, so it's a thing. Great. You got to be taking care of those things. You have them, you take care of them. That's kind of the whole point of it, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, people around the neighborhood would actually feed and clothe them because no. they felt so bad for these kids because they were just never fed. They they were malnutrition. They didn't have, like, clean clothes. They were never clean, so neighbors took care of them. Fucked up. Uh, yes. A lot of times, the they would actually go and spend time with their grandfather, who dun, 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 was also a child molester. Oh, so good. Did the parents know this? Tell me yes. This. Oh, good. He sexually molested his daughter, which happened to be the mother. So you knew, you 
Yes. Willingly put your children in harm's way. Yes. Oh, man, I could punch she a baby. She knew that he Sorry, actually, I couldn't punch a baby, but. He did it to her, and she still let him take care of her children what? so that she could be an alcoholic and a gambler of bingo. Screw off. Exactly. In 1953, however, she did end up placing her sons um, up for adoption. Great she, fucking idea. Yeah, she put them in an orphanage, and she said that it was to, like, protect her chi- like her children from their father's violence. And I'm like, hello, what about your father's violence that you subjected them to? Mm, look, I feel bad for baby William, not adult William, but baby William. William Bill, or Bill. Baby Bill. Baby <laughs> Bill has got my love. Yeah, well, it gets worse. So the orphanage was known to, like, severely discipline all of the children that it was housing. No. Um, Of course, this is breaches of conduct. Like, who does that, right? Wait, what year? Uh, This was in 1953. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, cool. Around the same time as your dude. Hey! Weird! We were breeding serial killers back then. Where was your guys born? Connecticut. Okay, so mine was in Connecticut, too. Wait, what? Putnam. Putnam? Where's Putnam? Where, where was your guys' born? He was Willimantic? Connecticut. Wait, hold on. I want to see how close they are. Wait, wait, wait. Willimantic? Willimantic? W-I-L-L-I-M-A-N-T-I-C. Willimantic? I don't know if I'm saying That sounds like you're in love with a willow tree. Willimantic? Yes. Connecticut. Willimantic, Connecticut. Okay. I need directions. Where do you find directions? <laughs> directions, not from where I'm at, but from Putnam. Okay, you look that up. I'm going to keep going. I'm right here. You, I'm right here. Oh, Wait, oh, pause. Oh. oh, okay. Give me your guess. How far away are they? Minutes or miles? I don't care. 20 miles. Close. 14.7, 20 oh. minutes away from each oh. other. Oh. So apparently Connecticut in the 50s was a fucking shit show. That's where Woodstock's in Connecticut? It was like a breeding ground for serial killers. Yes, yeah, don't go there. <laughs> I don't recommend it. It's bad for your health. Yes. So anyway, the, they um, at this place of the orphanage, they would punish them. They would severely beat them. They would have to endure like various stress positions, meaning like they would put their bodies in positions that would be incredibly stressful. So like you and I would just be like a normal plank position or like a chair position on the wall. I was like, yeah, that wouldn't be good. Yes. Wait. They would also then um, partially drown them in sinks filled with water. Working in a child care center, like, essentially what I do is a child, like, I sustain children's lives. What? I could not imagine. No, exactly. It's awful. I'm stressed. Um, That's why I told you you needed to drink. Anyway, put the scissors down. Okay. So, he would, although, like, later Bill would, like, discuss openly aspects of his childhood and adolescence, he, like, refused to talk about memories of the orphanage because, obviously, it was just so awful. Um, he did, did talk about, however, that he would, um, there were, there was actual sexual abuse as well. So people who were in the orphanage that were older than him, um, they, he basically was like, okay, yeah, I'll agree to sexual assault. He was like, just tie my hands behind my back. He was 10. He was doing this at 10 years old. What does that tell you about like 
at 10 years old, he was like, yeah, okay, cool, rape me, but let's make sure I'm tied up. <sighs> so this is not good. Um, oh, my Or heart. I guess he was nine years old. I apologize. When he returned to live with his parents a year later. So <laughs> they, the state, like, let his parents have them back Great. a year later. Love that for us. So he was 10 years old. Him, he started stealing license plates off of cars, and he ended up in juvenile detention. Weird. Yeah. Wonder why. Weird. There's no trauma there. Um, according to him, during that stay, he also endured more sexual abuse, including from his uh, adult counselor. Yes. Because why wouldn't there be? Yes. In 1961, his parents were facing foreclosure on their home because obviously their bingo got in the way. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I don't even know how much it, like, how much does bingo even cost? It's a, it's a legit gig now. Is it? Okay. Well, I didn't feel like it would, like, lead to that much money, but apparently it does. It dep- regular game prices vary depending on the session. A buy-in will range from two to ten dollars. Well, and I guess in the nineteen sixties at this point now, right? Well, so and I don't know. How, you could play multiple games in a night, right? So is that like ten dollars per card or like for the night? I think it's the game. Okay, not the night. Right. Okay. Um. So because of this, they decided to move to California, which is where they settled in. And uh, shortly thereafter, his father, thank God, died of cirrhosis of the liver. I wouldn't Mm. normally say that, but... R.I.P. not. (laughs) R.I.P. Bill's dad. (laughs) Not Bill's dad, though I don't feel bad for you. (laughs) Um, While living in California after his dad died, it is said that Bill started to molest his younger brother and several of the neighborhood children. Mm. Yes. Many of these children he would actually lure to his home uh, with the promise of alcohol and porn. You don't say. You don't say. Mm. It's not surprising. I mean, that's that's how it starts. Exactly. Which is sad, but it is what it is. Sexual I mean, this abuse is... often starts with the promise of porn. Well, and here's the thing, right? Like, last week we were talking about... Um, <laughs> last week we were talking about, you know, the whole drug thing, like... Baking soda, water, mix it up. I don't know. The I don't know the recipe for this. It's literally like I don't know. Uh, beating sexual assault, mix it up. You get a serial killer. <laughs> Seriously, at this point, I am convinced you cannot tell me otherwise. Exactly. It's so sad because I don't know. Anyway, um, he continued to to do like robbery, uh, petty theft, grand theft, all into his teen years. Oof. Yes. Duh. Um, he was said to have no friends. He generally felt uncomfortable around everybody. Um, he was humiliated and rejected, um, by girls and they described him as the homely kid, which is so sad. Oh, what? And he what just does that never mean? Like homely? Like the, um, I don't even know how to, I don't know. You're going to have to look up homely cause I don't, I don't know the right way to say it. Um, he was embarrassed to smile. He had a crooked tooth. Oh, okay. I got you, boy. I got a... Unattractive in appearance. There you go. Simple but cozy and comfortable as one is in their own home. What? There you go. Okay, whatever. Um, It was also a struggle because at this point he was realizing, obviously, that he was a homosexual, but his mother 
Oh, excuse me, microphone. You did just hit her. Um, his mother, of course, was like, no, no, no. That's not how this works. It was the 1960s and she was like, no, no, you're not. So he's conflicting with that now too, right? Fair. Fair. So shortly after he graduated, he actually got engaged. Oh, God damn it. Why do I say actually? I'm drink, drink up. I wasn't going to call you out on it. But here we are. He became engaged and got married to a female because his mother like was so much protesting it. She was just like, you need to get engaged. You need to get married. Again, she was just like unwilling to accept her son for who he was. I need cool. to get our TikTok up and running so we can just stare at my face while I stare at you with my eyebrow. I know. I'm serious. <laughs> like I am drawing. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah. So in the end, he ended up joining the Air Force. And he okay. he did five months of active duty in the Vietnam War. Great. So you can imagine after being in the freaking Vietnam War, not only does he have all these uh, issues from his childhood, but now he's also learning that like basically human life is not irrelevant. Right? I mean, not when you are in the Vietnam War, that, that is Nam. There is no fucking rules in Nam. No, it, yeah, there was, it was Nam. So he's learning that it's, you know, human life is expendable. Yeah. Which I mean, is not a good combination when you add everything else in. It's because just he was already pre exposed to things like exactly. this. Though, not exactly. Not because of just military. So again, we're going to we support beatings, the military. Sexual assault, Vietnam War. Mix it up. Trauma. Serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> okay oh, cool so uh he but here's the crazy thing is in the war he saved a he saved a fellow uh soldier and he actually got a drink up he received an award for that he was actually god damn it what is happening it's hard man it's going downhill. i was saying um a lot my episode so he was honorably discharged great. believe it or not you did great he ended up returning to live with his mother and he uh he married his fiance. i guess they didn't get married before then sorry and he fathered a son the couple soon divorced obviously because he was not into women women you don't say you don't say, you don't say they didn't work out mm. that's an ups- i'm sorry billy yeah right so, November 17th, 1968, he was 21 years old. He committed a sexual assault on a youth. He committed three further sexual assaults upon boys and youths over the following four months. These victims um, of, the, of the assaults were aged between 12 and 18. Oof. I know. What the fuck? John Wayne Gacy all over again. Seriously. In pretty in, in all of the instances, he would bind, he would restrain his victims, he would forcibly engage in sodomy, oral compilation, and methods of torture, which included um, bludgeoning and squeezing uh, of the victim's testicles. Great. So he was like, yeah, you're going to like this. Ooh. <laughs> I didn't like that for them. I know. So in 1969... Her. He was arrested uh, as he attempted to restrain a 16-year-old who had, uh, he had lured them into his victim. He was in, he was actually indicted, oh God, on five counts of kidnapping. 
You're not doing well. Four counts of sodomy, one count of oral compilation, and one count of child molestation against the five youths he had already abducted and insulted. Assaulted, excuse me. Yes. Uh, Bill pled guilty to molesting and, and forced compilation forced oral compulation and was sentenced to go to a state i can't it's a-t-a-s-c-a-d or escatero escatero state hospital as a mental disorder um sexual offenders considered uh, uh, like they were considered for treatment at that time they were like oh this is a disorder a mental disorder we can save you we can cure you sure yes I do that every single day in my job, right? Like, there is hope. Oh, you do. You do. Yes. There is hope for sexual offenders. It's about power and control. But a serial sexual offender is a very different game than somebody who made some poor choices with one victim. And this is serial at this point because now we're talking five victims. I mean, not to minimize. And his brother, so that's six. You know what I mean? And and not to minimize one victim's experience. But if somebody is offending on the same victim versus offending on multiple different victims, that's a very scary different game because they don't care. Yes. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So while he was there, he was the subject of uh, psychiatric examinations, of course. Great. Which um, revealed that he possessed a higher than average IQ. He had a hundred and twenty-one IQ. I'm not surprised about that. I think didn't Einstein have like a one sixty or something along those lines? Ed Kemper is actually somebody. Ed Kemper's up there too. Ed Kemper is up there. And when I was listening to one forty-five for Ed Kemper. Yeah, when I was listening to some of so my my sources are Wikipedia, um, a and then I listened to two podcasts. That I think one was Time Suck and the other was um, True Gay Crime. And they did say in there that he, uh, at one point, he was in the same prison as Ed Kemper. Oh, really? So they were wondering if, like, at some point they had, like, a familiarity or, like, talked or whatever. I found that very interesting. Okay, where are we at here? (sighs) So, yeah, he had a a high IQ. He uh, displayed traits of somebody that was a manic depressive. Go figure. And he also had damage of his, his, like, cortex of his frontal lobe. Okay. So when somebody has that damage, it is said that that's your impulse control. frontal lobe, yeah. Yeah, so that's your impulse control. So that would explain... Maybe where some of his impulse control was coming from. They also, it showed that he had scars on his head and his butt from being a child that was abused. Ugh. So their their best guess at this point is that maybe even that frontal lobe issue was that happened when he was being abused. Totally. Your frontal lobe is where your rational thinking comes from. So yeah. that's, that's the piece where they say, oh, it's not fully developed till 25. They're talking about your frontal lobe. Yeah. Which is why they say, like, children don't make good decisions because that's irrational thinking. That's your thinking brain. All those types of fun things. So for him to be abused and have those issues or what they're saying with, like, TBIs, traumatic brain injuries, like Aaron Hernandez. um, The guy, what's his name? Oh, Phineas. I forget his name now. He had the pole go through his head. Oh, I know what you're talking about. And it went through his frontal lobe. So there's all these different things. There's all this so much research that says, like, if that is damaged, you automatically make poor choices because you're not in your rational thinking brain. Yep. Exactly. And so they feel that... Phineas Gage. There you go. Oh. 
They feel that his may have come from when he was beaten as a child. Totally. So not only did you guys... When you have a soft head. Weird. Yeah, not only did they screw him up from all the other shit that they did, but the beatings probably led to that as well. Yep. So, um, after he had been at this uh, hospital for two years, he was then sent to prison. Yep. He was declared unstable for further treatment. Weird. Largely due to the um, repeated engaging of sexual activity with male inmates so like he was in the uh mental (laughs) what well he was in the mental hospital i say mental sorry i don't know another way to phrase that he was in the institution that was there to determine whether he was mentally sound or not and he was engaging in sexual conduct with all of the male uh prisoners and staff so are they, so they're saying because of that and because of his history, he wasn't sound for treatment. Yes. They were saying, look, we've tried to help you. It's not working. You're not, like, you're not getting over this. You're continuing your bad behavior. We can no longer further assist you. Maybe it's because you're treating sexual addiction versus power and control, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> She hasn't gotten two degrees in this or anything, nope. but you know, whatever, Don't worry about whatever, me. whatever. <laughs> I'll be over here sipping my wine. Um, so they, they basically were like, yep, nope, you gotta go. And they sent him to prison. Sure. I mean, I can understand that. Yep. Mental hospitals don't have the resources that prisons do when you have that bad and maladaptive behavior. Yeah. So he, he went away. Uh, so in 1974, three months after he was released from prison, because he spent time in prison, but not, I mean, he was sent there in June of 1974. He, he didn't spend a ton of time there. Um, but they released him. So this is where shit starts to go awry, right? Weird. So he hadn't. He didn't treat the underlying issue. And then they released him back into society with no entry. Go fucking figure. With no re-entry service? Yes. Weird. Yeah. Weird. It's weird so, that that didn't work. I don't know why you thought that would. Or <laughs> So Bill encountered a 14-year-old hitchhiker named David McVicker. Stop hitchhiking, people. Seriously, when you were talking about yours before, I was like, do not hitchhike anymore. Okay. damn it. This was in Garden Grove. Uh, the David accepted his offer to drive him to his parents' home in Huntington Beach. Shortly after having entered uh, Bill's vehicle, McVicker was taken aback by Bond asking him if he was gay. Okay. David uh, asked Bond to stop his car and uh, Bill produced a gun and drove and literally put it to his head and said, uh, he he put it to his head and he drove him to a deserted field and he was like, yeah, no, um, we're going to, I'm going to beat and rape you. Yeah. Love that journey. So he uh he began to strangle him with his own t-shirt. Ugh. And during this time, David was said that in his mind he thought to himself, God help me. No. At that exact moment, uh Bill let him go and he began to apologize to him. What? Yes. He began to ap- apologize to him and he drove him home. And before he let him out of his car, though, he looked at him and he said, quote, we'll meet again. Oh, no, we won't. Get out of here. Fucking creepy. Get out of here. So uh, David immediately informed Uh his mother of the rape Uh and she notified the police. Uh, Thereafter, Bill was charged with rape and all of the other things of a minor. Crazy. Uh, Yes. 
And the he he was also charged with an um, attempted abduction of the 15 year old. And hmm. two days later, uh, or excuse me, uh, 15-year-old, which had occurred two days before he was assaulted. So he apparently tried to stop a 15-year-old, and then he stopped David, and then he was uh, sent to, he was arrested for both, basically. I feel, okay, bear with me here. I'm listening to all of this, giving you, like, the dirtiest look. It's not you. I'm giving him a dirty look. But I'm also wearing a sweater that makes me feel like I'm wearing my alimony sweater. Like, my divorce sweater. <laughs> right. So I'm, like, I have a very tightly wound and I'm just staring at her with my arms crossed. I know. Like, you, she can feel. You seem angry. I'm angry about this. Yeah. So he pled guilty to these charges. He Oof. was sentenced to serve between 1 and 15 years. <laughs> so yeah. tell me in there. Like, that's that's kind of a fucking chum change is right. what that is well and it's a wide range oh. at the same time so he went to a men's facility in san luis obispo i don't oh, know sure anyway he ended up staying there for 18 months and then he was okay. uh given probation yep makes sense so this is where one of his accomplices come in y'all oh great one of four let me repeat that. One of four. Four? Upon his release, he decided to move into a complex about a mother, about a mile away from his mother's home. Because at this point, he's still a mama's boy. And I don't understand it because his mom was terrible to him. But whatever. Uh, whatever. It's fine. So, it's not our business. Yes. He moved a mile away. He ended up getting employment as a truck driver because that's what he needs to do. Yeah, because he needs access to more victims exactly. easier. Exactly. Get out yeah. of here. Oh, it drives me crazy. He was at a party. And at this party, he ended up meeting a gentleman. I say gentleman. He's not a gentleman. He's not a gentleman. He met a, a kid, a guy, who was, uh, his name is Vernon Butts. Butts. That's unfortunate. That I'm so is sorry. an unfortunate name. Yep. 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 Hate it. <sighs> anyway. So, shortly after they met, uh... Vernon ended up moving in with Bill. Great. And they became great friends, and they were having a great old time together. Were they butt buddies? I believe that they were. Vernon Butts. Vernon was only 21 years old at this point. Vernon Butts was butt buddies? Yep. Yep. He also had a friend named uh, Gregory Milley. Okay. Miley? Miley. He was only, oh, he was only 18 years old, and they... Oh, I forgot to tell you that Vernon was a part-time magician. Oh, Vernon, you're so much cooler all of a sudden. Yeah, he was a part-time magician. So, you know, he was really cool. Somehow they were both fascinated and terrified at the same time by Bill. Well, yeah, that makes sense. Sure. Ed Kemper's the same way when you watch his shit. Or Ted Bundy, right? Yeah. Where you're like, oh my god, this person is so interesting, but they scare the shit they out of me. They scare the shit out of me. So, Miley, unfortunately, was a Texas native who was a bit of a dullard. What does that mean? He only had an IQ of 56. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, wasn't good. Wasn't Processing good. speed zero. Pro right. Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, so here's the thing is they all became friends. Okay. And, and they ended up helping Bill on his killing sprees. They were uh, accomplices of his, oh right? Oh my God. So his killing sprees would, sub they, they all ended up being young male hitchhikers, schoolboys, um, occasional male prostitutes. Yep. Uh, they ranged in age from 12 to 19. Um, 
And he ended up buying himself a Ford van. It was green. It was olive green. (laughs) And he actually called the van the death van. Good. I love that. Right? So I'm like, oh, shit. What the fuck? This is why you don't get in a van. No, you never get in a van. But never get in a van. He ended up taking the van and he turned the inside of it, and he would like got he got rid of all the door handles, and he stocked it with anything that he would need to restrain anybody, um, any any torture device. So it's like Bundy's Volkswagen Bug. Kind of, yeah. Wow, I have I referred to Bundy at least five times in this episode. I think yes, and it it's it's fine. I mean, it's valid because they're kind of the same people other than Bundy had a pretty normal upbringing, didn't he? Uh, He did. And actually, I was thinking about when you were talking about using the lower IQ friends as part of the accomplice. Mm -hmm. I remember talking about the Candyman at one point for a Halloween episode. If you remember the Candyman, he used IQ, people who had lower IQs to help him execute his crimes. Well, and that's the thing is like most of these people. So he ended up having four accomplices. Those are just two of them. They, one of them was actually, I was doing so good. Drink your wine, bitch. One of them had a thing for cults. Oh. So he had a thing for cults and he. Interesting. Yeah. So I think it actually might have been Vernon Butts. He had a thing for cults and he was a magician. So it was very easy. And he even later said that he was very easy. Like he was a smooth talker. So a culted magician. Good. Yeah. Basically. I hear what you are saying. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Great. Perfect. So the murder, I mean, the freeway murders, it, it really boils down to the first murder, which Bill was charged with, was that of a 13-year-old named Thomas Lund- Lundinger. Okay. He was seen leaving his parents' house at 10.50 a.m. Okay. And... Um, he, he ended up being found with only his t-shirt, socks, and shoes on that same afternoon. Okay, love that. The autopsy later revealed that he had suffered uh, bludgeoning to his face and head. Okay. Uh, asphyxiation. Okay. And his skull had multiple fractures. Okay. In addition, he had been slashed across the throat. Mm-hmm. Extensively stabbed and strangled to death. Good. His <laughs> underwear and jeans were gone and he had been his genitals had been severed oh god i know it's not good it's It's not not good good. no um he this is where because of this story in particular is where he got the name freeway killer because the person who was covering the story nicknamed him that it Mm. turned out that all of his victims he ended up Cutting them up into little pieces, putting them into trash bags, and throwing them onto the side of the highway, and not always cutting them up and throwing them in. Well, if you're a tr- if you're a truck driver, you have so much accessibility to just do whatever you want. Yes, it's ridiculous. Wow. So two months after that, he uh, struck again in 1979. He abducted a 17 year old named Mark Shelton. Okay. Did the same thing to him. His mo was to strangle, sodomize, rape, yep. beat. Uh, and he really loved to strangle them with their own t-shirts. He would actually tangle the end of an axe, uh, into the shirt and like just tighten it, tighten wow. it, tighten it, tighten it. I see it. what you're saying. Yes. It's like a corkscrew on the neck. Yeah, pretty much. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. The following day, him and Butts also, they encountered another 17 year old named Marcus Grabs. Same thing. 
I, I don't need to keep repeating that, but oh. what they did to him was basically the same thing. Um, on August 27th, they did the same thing to a 15-year-old named Donald Hayden. Oof. Um, two weeks later uh after that murder they encountered another 17 year old named david merlot merlot yeah merlot oh wow yeah merlot uh they basically did all the same things to him um i'm just skimming past this because this takes a while otherwise can we pause i feel like i need another beverage for this oh yeah so after that he um he was not known to have killed again until November 1st. So he took a little bit of a hiatus from September 9th wow. to November 1st. Meh, meh, meh. He is beauty. He is grace. Fuck this guy. He he really... Mm. So when him and Butts abducted and murdered an un- unidentified young male... R.I.P. John Doe. Yep. R.I.P. John Doe. And this victim, they savagely beaten... Again, they strangled him before he, you know, that's how he died. Um, and they they later estimated his age to be about 23. And um, Bill admitted to inserting an ice pick into the victim's nostrils and oh. ear prior to his murder. Oh, An God. ice pick. What the fuck? That reminds me of the murder. I don't know her name off the top of my head. The, the lady that was murdered in the church. Have you heard this? She had an ice pick in the back of the head. Yes. And, and the, it was the security guard. So it was the security later. guard. Yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep. Fucking creepy. Yeah. Who uses an ice pick? Yeah. Oof. But you know, though, so. Girl. My job makes me look at everyday items and say, how can this be weaponized against me every day? So I always think about this. Like You do. Yes. When people leave, like at the store, we will leave like scissors on the counter, and I'm like, I'm just gonna put those away. <laughs> You're like, I need to put that away because that is not safe. No, some no, random customer can walk up and stab me in the eyeball. <laughs> it's true, though. <laughs> Which is not a healthy way to think, always, but here we are. Yeah, here we are. So, four weeks after that, uh, Bill was actually operating alone, and he, he abducted and strangled a 17 year old named Frank Fox. Some cool ass last names happening mm-hmm. in this story, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Okay, cool. Yep. On January first, nineteen eighty, he strangled a seven or a sixteen year old named Michael McDonald. Old the boy McDonald was found farm. fully clothed. <laughs> oh, McDonald. Sorry. <laughs> he was fully clothed when he was found. However, um, R.I.P. McDonald again. <laughs> Again, he was found on the side of the road. No. R.I.P. Road McDonald. I know. I know. Uh, Unfortunate. So, on on March 1990, or excuse me, 1980, Bill offered a 17-year-old named William Pug a ride home as the... Pug? Pug. P-U-G-H. K-R-I-P Pug. No. Oh. You said K-R-I-P? It's R-I-P? I I say K-R-I-P. Like, okay, (laughs) R-I-P. Non-R-I-P, Pug? K and no, that would be K-R-I-P. No, it's fine. Go ahead. Okay, we're moving on. So, literally within minutes of accepting this ride, Bill asked Pug if he would like to engage in sex. Pug later stated he panicked and stuttered upon hearing this question. And after sitting in silence for several minutes, attempted to leave the vehicle. Uh, 
Bill, of course, he once he had slowed down at a stoplight, Bill was like, he was trying to get out or like Pug was trying to get out. In response, um, Bill leaned across and grabbed Pug by the collar, dragged him back into the passenger seat. According to Pug, Bill then uh, confronted him in enjoy and letting him know that he had abducted him he was letting him know that he this is what he did normally he abducted guys or young males hitchhikers and he would restrain them abuse them and he would kill them with their own t-shirts he literally told this guy this and it was uh, a very premature. matter of fact tone this is just what i do premature bill premature yeah. bill then informed pug quote if you want to kill somebody, you should make a plan and find a place to dump the body before you even pick a victim. End quote. Oh, now we're getting method, 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 methodical. <laughs> that was, was like, the word. I was like, she's going to get there. Methodical. We're methodical <laughs> about our killings now, uh, Bill. We need to talk about this before it gets any further. So in the end, um, Bill informed him that he had chosen to refrain himself from assaulting and killing him because other people had seen him leaving with him and they would know that it was him if something happened. Crazy. Crazy. Go figure. Go figure. Deep breath. So on March 24th, uh, Bill, uh, when he had abducted... So Bill took Pug with him and abducted a 15-year-old runaway named Harry Todd Turner. Harry Todd. Harry Todd. So again. Sounds like Dirty Harry. They did the same thing to this poor guy. Beat him, strangled him, sodomized him, uh, sexually assaulted him, you name it. R.I.P. Harry Todd. R.I.P. Harry Todd. So the list basically just goes on and on, Right. There are several more. He ended up killing somebody who was named uh, Stephen Wood. Uh, What's couple- his victim count? He's up to 21. Wow. Yeah, that's why I'm kind of, I'm, I'm skinning over this. Not because some people don't mean more than the others. I apologize. I'm just trying to cut it down a little bit. I'm so sorry. Um, wow. There was, yeah, so there was a, a gentleman named Stephen Wood. There was a, a, a somebody named Darren uh, Kendrick. Um, there was somebody, uh, where are we at? Uh, Lawrence Sharp, um, James Manuro, Manuro? Yeah. Wow. Stephen Wells. R.I.P. all of you, I'm sorry. I know. You didn't deserve that. So, they ended up surveilling him. What ended up happening is, is that one of the previous gentlemen that he had abducted, but let go the gen- the guy that he was strangling and the guy was like god help me and he yes, let him go he, he was yes. like i'm going to see you or we'll meet again yes this guy was listening and he heard people say look if somebody out there knows anything let us know it came to his mind that oh my god i was almost his victim so and he knew who he was so he went to the police and he told them they did surveillance on him um, after they did surveillance on him, they were, they watched him encounter several, like, younger men. So they watched him approach, like, I think it was, like, five different men. And they finally, um, they finally were like, okay, it's time to get this guy because he's been trying to lure these other five guys into his van. And, um, they, he successfully in, 
assist. Try again. Bill successfully got one of these five young men to get into the van with him. Okay. Okay. This drives me batty. I have to tell you, it drives me batty. So he got one of the guys to get in the van with him. So the police follow him and they follow the van and they're like, okay, great. He's about to attack somebody else. Great. They literally wait until Bill has him restrained, beaten, and is sodomizing him before they bust into the van. What? Why? I don't know. I don't know. Come on, guys. It fucking kills me. Be better. Seriously, do better. You knew you were tracking him for a reason, and you let it go that far when it didn't need to. That sucked. You knew what he was doing. That's horrific. Right? Oh, it kills me. It's, it, seriously, it, it. It, it gets me. Anyway, um, so they arrested him while he was Great. sodomizing somebody else. So obviously they had a reason to get him. They ended up detaining him and he had a $250,000 bond. Okay. Yes. Um, the next day, two of the guys um, that were a part of, that were accomplices of his, stole his vehicle and they fled to Michigan. Because they were like, oh, this guy's, he's toast, right? So we're getting out of here. Fuck you. I You're hate that. so stupid. I hate that so, 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 yes. so much. So all throughout this whole thing, Bill protested his innocence. Okay. Yeah. He was like, no, I didn't do none of it. I had nothing to do with any of it. Weird. Weird. Um, throughout the whole thing, everybody heard all of the stuff that had happened to him when he was a child. Sure. Right? So you had the defense being like, oh, he wouldn't have been this way. But he, you know, he was molested. He was beaten. All of these things. Which they do have a, I mean, that is a legitimate concern, right? Like that is a legitimate. Yes thing yes well but then you had the um the prosecution being like well guess what he he it wasn't just that he had low impulse control due to his frontal lobe problems he was picking and choosing his people right so like he was choosing like when he was working on you know uh, when he was at work or or the people who were his accomplices like he didn't beat or strangle or rape any of them so he had enough control over that but not for the people that he was choosing to kill go figure weird Uh, go figure so in the end um butts also was uh arrested um, this fucker hung himself in his cell while he was awaiting trial because, you know, he's a scared fucking little bitch. Sounds about right. Oh, I hate it. I hate it all. Um, in the end, uh, uh, Bill was sentenced to death by lethal injection. Crazy, no, right? Here. So here's the crazy thing, though. When we talked about the whole lethal injection thing, he was actually the first person in California to die by lethal injection. The first? The first. Wow. So because the first. More liberal? Right? Isn't California- I mean, I'm guessing because that is kind of what it is, right? Liberals are more, I mean, what I understand is that liberal is more against the death penalty, which would make a lot of sense in California in yeah. that time. Well, and here's the thing is he was sentenced to lethal injection 
originally prior to that he was supposed to go to the gas chamber but somebody who was sentenced to the gas Shit, gas chamber still existed back yeah. then whoa but they chose not to do the gas chamber because somebody who was on death row what? previously had <laughs> been put in the gas chamber yeah and they deemed it to be um unhumane okay because he was in peril basically for four minutes how long does lethal injection take um i think it's well so here's the thing with lethal injection right before they give you the lethal injection they actually give you a sedative they give you a sedative and then they give you something to basically put you to sleep and then they give you the lethal injection yeah so he I mean, it's very nonchalant, if you will. And I hate to say it that way because if somebody is dying. But what kills me is, is they're like, oh, gas chamber is too inhumane. Okay, well, do you think that any of his fucking victims felt that way? I mean, precisely. And then I'm looking at <clears throat> there was firing squad, which I get feels weird. However, like cheapness amount of time it yep. takes like yep. that would all feel better. But, you know, yeah. So I've it's very tough the the death penalty debate is so tough to me because I agree if there is indisputable evidence that you did this great but if there's not that's when it gets weird like um, oh yeah and uh, I'm not even I'm not even yes and I'm not even delving into his accomplices they all got their upcomings too like they all ended up in jail um and all of that but they did testify against him and they testified that he, you know, told them like, so they these got are the things off. we did and and all of that jazz. Um, so he was executed um, in, at the San, San Quentin prison on February 23rd, 1996. It took okay. that long. Yep. Oh, of course. Um so he <laughs> this fucking guy. We hate him. Yeah. So when he was asked by the executioner if he had any, like, last words kind of thing, he was like, I've made peace with all of that. I I've, okay. I really don't have much to say. Okay. He did give this whole long speech also about the youth of America and how they just look up to what's happening and basically saying, like, oh, if they... Um, if this happens and they're just going to follow this trend and so on and so on and so forth... Which really is contradictory to what he did because that's, I mean, you did what happened to you, so that makes sense. But at the same time, he was telling them to, like, take a deep breath and take a pause and, like, look at this before you really react. And it was like, well, you didn't do that with any. Yeah, you didn't actually take a rational thought with your fucking frontal no. lobe, my there friend. There was even one case where he had killed somebody earlier in the day. And then he turned to one of his accomplices and was like, I'm still horny. Let's go find another. What? Yes. Come and on. he killed two people in one day several times. So he had no self-awareness, self-control, nothing. So um, at 6 p.m. on the day he was executed, he his, he ordered his last meal. His last meal. Ooh, you I shared, love it. I, I love know. last meal. He got two large pizzas. Two. Oh. Two large pizzas. Sure. Three, three pints of ice cream and six, and three six packs of Coke, which is 18 Cokes. And he consumed it all. Consumed Uh, that shit all. Yes. So then this is. I feel good about that. Honestly, if I was 
If I was a monster <laughs> like that and I was dying by death penalty, I'd do the same. Yes. Hands down. Okay, so I found the quote that I had um, was previously yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, talking yeah. about. So before his execution, this was his quote. I feel the death penalty is not an answer to the problems at hand. I feel it sends the wrong message to the people of this country. Young people act as if they see other people acting instead of as if people tell them or as people tell them to act. I would advise that when a person has the thought of doing anything serious against the law, that that before they did, they should go to a quiet place and think about it seriously. Excuse me. So that was his, that was his, like, final... Thought process. Yes. Yeah. And it was like, you never did that, though. You didn't. Yeah. <sighs> so he was pronounced dead at 12.13 a.m. He was Great. 49 at the time of his execution. Non-R.I.P. Uh... <laughs> None of his relatives came to his execution. Crazy. None of them claimed his body. Great. And after he was executed and cremated, his ashes were scattered in the ocean, which, fuck you, you don't deserve that, and the ocean doesn't deserve that either. I know the ocean has a lot of trash in it, but I feel like that's not okay. What would you do with them? I don't know. What deserves it? The trash? Yeah. Toss that shit in the fucking dump. Sure. Don't don't put them in the ocean. I Ugh. can't imagine there is a way when you use a crematorium, the incinerator for the bodies. I can't. Yeah. I can't imagine there is a way to get all of one person, right? I don't think so. Do you think like people are all mixed together? Yeah, pretty much. Mm. Yeah. Mom always said that grandma and grandpa, like, their ashes are put together. And she was always like, I am sure his butt cheek is right on her regular cheek. And she's probably pissed about it. <laughs> probably. And that's what I imagine, right? <laughs> uh, so I'm going to leave you with this last little tidbit. So Bon and Bill was known as the freeway killer, right, due to his majority of victims. And then, again, when I, I didn't disclose, like, where he was throwing them, but it was always on sure. the side of the roads when he got rid of the bodies. So there, he actually shared this name with two other serial killers. They were active around the same time in South Cali- in Southern California. So one of them was, the one that came before him was Patrick Kearney. Then there was him. And then afterwards was Randy Kraft. And oh, if you look up both. Yep. yep I right? know Randy Kraft. Yep. So they were around the same time. All three of them had very similar MOs where they were killing um, yep. young men yep. and sexually assaulting them yep. and all of that. Um, so that was a little crazy. Um, you know, at that point, they were just basically like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, we're, we can't 100% identify some of the victims as to who they belong to who do they belong to right yes. which is like the best ploy yeah. as a serial killer should do what other serial killers are doing at the time yeah yeah makes sense wow and that is my case wow good job sorry i know it was really long that's and okay dark and crazy but let's take a small break before we lie in the mood <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. 12 bottles of wine. 12 bottles of wine is going to be fucking awesome. Okay. Dude. Oh, okay. We're, okay. We are throwing a twist at you guys. Yes. Oh my gosh. We're so ready to lighten the mood. And guess what? What? This week, 
Taylor is going to come at you with the Corky Clippings. Corby Clippings. Normally it's me, but I was I was like, girl, just do it up. Get get us some of those Corky Clippings. So I got to my sister's house early and I was like, you know what? I'm going to post on her Instagram, post on the store's Instagram. I'm going to get Corky Clippings. I started the, uh, I almost died. I started her fucking pellet stove. <laughs> and I hit the place where all the ashes were and they all like, Around my face, I thought I was going to die. She goes, I fucked up. I fucked up. I fucked up. I was on the phone with Nene at this time. All right, ready for this? Oh my God, I'm so ready. Let's do it. Man in reindeer slippers attempts to steal women's wheelchair. <laughs> wait a minute, wait. First of all, I'm digging the reindeer slippers. Second of all, why is he still in a wheelchair? A man in Arizona wearing reindeer slippers managed to dash away from the scene, (laughs) but law enforcement (laughs) caught up to him anyway. Like as in Dasher. (laughs) So good. Okay. It's so dumb, but I love it. Okay. Woman steals stroller from store, but leaves a kid behind. Oh my God. Ma'am. You left your child. <laughs> you forgot something. Ooh, I was like, you're still in your stroller, but you can't even remember the children you already have. Why are you doing this? Seriously. Lady, get it together. <laughs> you're forgetting something. Something huge. <laughs> 11-year-old hits 110 miles per hour in a stolen Jeep. What? But he was too young, so he just went back to mom. What? <laughs> yeah. Um. First of all, at a hundred and a jeeps get death wobbles at like what fifty? <laughs> I was like, yeah. Dad's like, you can only go fifty in this bad boy. And I'm like, yeah, you're right, Dad. This thing wobbles. You get wobble, death baby, wobbles? wobble, baby, wobble, wobble, baby, wobble, wobble, <laughs> wobble, baby, wobble. Yeah, seriously, you get death wobbles. It's not fun. at like fifty. How's it getting up to one ten? I'm like, yeah. What jeep did you steal? That's what I need to know about the situation. Oh my god, that's hilarious. Woo. Man busted after attempting to smuggle dozens of live birds and hair curlers. <laughs> okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Was he s- trying to put the birds in the hair curlers? They were in the hair curlers at the airport. Yep. You, There's like a picture of it. I should have showed you. Of like, there's all these hair curlers laid out with just birds in them. <laughs> okay, those either have to be incredibly big hair curlers or tiny birds. One squished of birds is what it was. What? Yeah. They were alive and their hair curlers were normal. Excuse me. Nice. <laughs> I'm really, wait, I'm trying to picture this. So they were tiny birds? Let me show you a picture. Ready? I might be drunk right now. Uh, birds in hair curlers. <laughs> this is the most ridiculous thing. What? A man caught smuggling 35 live songbirds. Songbirds. Okay. Into New York's JFK airport. What, what was he trying to do with them? Where was he trying? I have lots of questions. <laughs> um, same, girl. But here. Oh, he's like, ma- he's like made them little homes. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> yep. Yep. You guys, he's taken these curlers and he's literally like duct taped both ends with like, but he put like a screen on both ends and then taped that on. Yep. I'm so confused right now. Were they in somebody's hair? 
<laughs> that would be so good. Okay. I don't get it, but okay. <laughs> Are you ready to round this out? Our yeah. last and final quirky Let's thing. Let's do it. Walmart. Oh God. We'll tell you everything you need to know. Yep. Police receive a report of a newborn infant found in the trash. <gasps> Upon investigation, offers discover it was only a burrito. <laughs> Stop it. I literally have said I have a baby burrito in my belly. <laughs> what the? Hell? It was a burrito. Oh it was God. only a burrito. Oh my. It was God. only just a burrito. <laughs> it was only just a burrito. What? <laughs> that is the. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it was stupid. It was dumb. It was beauty. It was grace. <laughs> Somebody done fucked up. Somebody done what fucked happened? up. What happened? I don't know. No, no, nothing else. I have questions again. <laughs> so many questions about a baby burrito. How big oh. is this burrito that you thought it was a newborn infant? Uh, yeah. How many newborn infants have you seen in the trash to make you think that newborn infants should be in the trash? Yeah. Depends on where the Walmart is. I hate to say it like that, but it does. All I know is it says Mountain View. Oh. Don't know where Mountain View is, ah. but it's somewhere. Ah. Well, good job, Bean. Thanks. This week has been <sighs> tough kind of dark. and it dark. Was less and it was not comedical. Our, yes, it was comical. Comedical? Comical. <laughs> you right, though. You right, though. But we're here. Two we did degrees. It. Two degrees over there. Girlfriend, I will say this every time, especially because I live with an engineer. I, I am a very intelligent woman. I'm a very intelligent woman, but like, I don't show it. <laughs> Who has happened to be drinking, that is her downfall this evening. Me too. No, I'm general. drunk. I'm drunk. I am not drunk, but. No, I am. I'm tipsy. However, when I, <laughs> I'm an intelligent woman. You are. But I don't portray myself as such often. No. And that's just my persona. It's fine. Most together, not together person I know. I've I said know. this repeatedly. However, you made it to the end of the episode. Oh my gosh, you guys, you made it to the end with us. Thank you so much. R.I.P. you. <laughs> Thank you for being here. We have an Instagram. We have a Facebook. Um, we have a Patreon. That's the hugest thing. Come see us. C-O-R-K-Y. Yes. Crying Sisters. If you feel so inclined, helping us get to five stars on Apple is massive. It helps us so much. And again, um, if you guys want to hear a specific case or topic, freaking add us. Let us know. Like, email us, whatever. Like, email. Yeah. CorkyCrime at gmail.com, C-O-R-K-Y. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Corky Crime Sisters, C-O-R-K-Y. Once again, Crime Sisters, spelled normally. Patreon, C-O-R-K-Y, yeah, Crime Sisters, spelled normally. All three of those places, or even your Apple podcast, five-star review will tell you. Or Spotify. I hear we're most downloaded on Spotify. Most downloaded on Spotify. However, I don't think they have a rating system, which is very interesting. But that's okay. If you're on there, just seriously ask however you can, and we will figure it out. You guys were always open to suggestions. So make sure you tell us what you want to hear. Yes. Otherwise. Otherwise, it's been fun. Thanks for joining us this week and uh, come back next week if you were not too traumatized by this week. (laughs) (laughs) We will see you next Wednesday. We love you. Yamas. Yamas. You don't have a drink. Clink with me.
clink. Good job. <laughs>